Welcome to the Agent on the Go podcast. I am your host, Jason Allen. I'm a four-year agent with Farmers Insurance in Colleyville, Texas. Uh, this is a show with other entrepreneurs and interesting people that have a great story, have some great lessons for you if you're looking to get into the world of uh, entrepreneurship or starting your own business. Um, and my guest today has a very interesting story, and I thought it'd be perfect to hear about his thoughts on marketing, his thoughts on the sports world with basketball and golf. Um, but first, I want to give him the introduction that he has so richly deserved. Um, he's originally from Tolan, Connecticut. And for those of you not from the Northeast, like I am, that is right by Stores, Connecticut, right by the University of Connecticut, Go Huskies. Um, yeah. He currently resides in Carlsbad, California. He's married to the beautiful Diana, and he has two beautiful children, Brooklyn and Jackson. He is the owner of Poker Chip Universe. So there's a little hint for what we will be talking about today. Um, welcome, my guest today, Mike Blake. Mike, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much, Jason. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Well, I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, I've used your product for the past two or three years, um, and I want people to kind of know about it because it's it's a definitely a different way of marketing. So like I said in the intro, you are the owner of Poker Chip Universe. Um, why don't you explain to everybody what type of product it is that you offer? Yeah, so it's it's custom poker chips. Uh, but we use them pretty much, we don't make them for poker very often. We really make them for everything but um, different ways to promote your business. Uh, we started it in the golf world, uh, started it, and our name was Logo Golf Chips mm -hmm. for many, many years because we really just developed it in the golf world. But over time, so many other businesses were like, you know, why am I using a paper business card when everybody just throws it away? Mm -hmm. Why can't I put my stuff? I'd like to put my stuff on your chips, you know? So yep. uh, we really started being more universal with the chips. So we just morphed the name into Poker Chip Universe, uh, you know, several years back. And uh, we've been doing it now for 17 years okay. in October. And it's just, uh, you know, it's amazing. One pro, we have two different forms of our product, but it's really just poker chips. And then we have a magnetic poker chip, as you know. Yep. Uh, so, but it's really just based on, on one product that we just market as much as we can to try to solve customers needs. Gotcha. So how did you go about starting this? So number one, what did you do before starting this company? Yeah. So, um, uh, 52 now I was in high tech sales for quite a few years in my twenties selling data storage for a couple of big companies. And I uh, was lucky, lucky enough to be involved when the internet was kind of booming and the internet stocks were booming and uh, was able to move on from that, take a little time off and get into golf and playing golf. And I worked at a couple of golf courses out in Palm Desert in the Coachella Valley in uh, Palm Springs area. And just really was trying to figure out what I could do in the golf world. I wanted to do something that I loved. And uh, selling technology wasn't what I loved. So I started just working in the golf business, trying to learn as much as I could. And uh, little by little, I started um, honing in on a couple of different products that I started selling that I just learned about from other people. Uh, they were okay, not, not great products. Mm -hmm. And then I came across, I was selling in Vegas. So I just came across some of the uh, merchandisers that were buying for me and never saw poker chips on their shelves. And just thought, how are these golf courses? They could sell a ton of these little souvenir, you know, poker chips with their golf course logo on it. 
Absolutely. And just, you know, asked a few of them if they wouldn't mind, you know, would they try them out if I just made them some free chips? And uh, they were like, of course, yeah, we'll try some free chips with our logo. And little behold, you know, little took little time to realize that, wow, these were pretty catchy and they sold through their free chips. And gotcha. um, it was 2006. So all of a sudden I was like, I think I might have an, at least an idea of, of mm-hmm. a decent business, but it might just be Vegas related. I didn't know <laughs> at the time. So uh, I just uh, took a chance and we, we you know, rolled it out um, nationwide over the next several months, moved to Scottsdale for six months. Okay. And we rolled it out in Scott in Arizona, all through Arizona. I just went door to door to every golf course I could see. Mm-hmm. And at first got shut down. Of course, like that first week was like, oh, no, did I make a bad mistake? It's like, oh, God, what did I do? Yeah, right. Maybe it was a Vegas thing. And then, you know, probably four or five days into it, all of a sudden I got maybe five callbacks from big time courses that, hey, you know what? We kind of like this. We'll try it. I was like, oh, thank you. Because my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, had uh, taken on this venture with me. To Scottsdale. So I was did like, you talk oh, her into this then? So I, she wasn't. I did not talk her into it. Okay. She was like, you know what? I'd rather go with you than have you traveling so often, um, you know, to all these places weeks at a time. That and she was ready for a break. She's a CPA. Okay. And she had been in public accounting for quite a while. So she was like, you know, what? I'm gonna take a break and go do this because we talked about going to Scottsdale for six months and then going to Orlando for six months and really kind of covering the East coast. She's like, you know, it sounds like an awesome adventure. I'm ready for it. So no, I didn't talk her into it, but it was, <laughs> I was uh, kind of uh, a little in the hot seat there the first week in Arizona. I'm sure. Yeah. But um, lo and behold, things worked out there. Stayed there, built up that whole region. Uh, we drove across the country through Texas, through your neck of the woods. Okay. And uh, just really zigzagged our way golf course to golf course from Dallas to Austin, down to San Antonio, over to Houston and through the Southeast till we got to Orlando. And it was amazing. Just the response was great. It was 2006 going into 2007. And uh, we just loaded up on new courses, um, picking up the product, trying them out, doing well with them. Okay. And same happened in Orlando, all through Florida. I did the same thing door to door. Gotcha. So how did you go from golf courses then to business owners like myself? Because I love the product. Um, It definitely sets you apart. Like you said, with a, a paper business card, you give it out a networking event, someone's like, great. And then they throw it in a drawer or they throw it out. Um, But with these and particularly the magnetic ones, people throw it on their refrigerators or throw it on their file cabinets and it's always there. So how did you make that transition from something that is really niche, like a golf course product going out to business owners? Right. Uh, I wish I could say it was my brainchild, but it was customers okay. saying to me, wait a minute, Mike, what customers from Merrill Lynch and, you know, big companies and mm-hmm. real estate agents and insurance agents like yourself and saying, hey, wait a second. Why am I? I love your chips. I play golf. It was more the guys that played golf. Right. Yep. And they they saw it right away. And they're like, why don't I put my business card? I can put my logo on one side, my business card information on the back, really fancy it up with my corporate colors. And I think it would be way better. So I, I made it for a few, uh, but it, it quickly, you know, the, the light bulb went off right away of like, oh, wow, this is super cool. You know, it's way better than handing out a, a paper card. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, this is probably 2000, it probably took four years of the chips being out there selling in uh, in the courses before it really took off on the business world. Okay. And then it just did. So it's been about 13 years now of, you know, customers like yourself that are small business owners or in sales or 
you know, brewery owners. That was a whole nother thing of good for a drink. Okay. You just use them as a token for that. So bars and breweries. Um, it's, you know, it's been, that's been a lot more fun. That's probably 70% of my business now compared to golf where golf okay. used to be a hundred percent. Gotcha. So, so what do you do to separate yourself? Cause if you go online, I'm sure you can find a ton of companies that make a similar product. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you, how do you guys separate yourself? What do you, what kind of marketing tools do you use? What strategies do you use to, yeah, to on, online? It's hard because you know, you have to be right up there in Google mm -hmm. and if you're not, people aren't going to find you. So, uh, you know, be, being obviously working hard to get up there in Google and that we've been around for so long organically, we are up there on a lot of the key search words. Uh, but once you find us quality, it's all about the chip quality. Cause there's, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of kind of not great quality chips out there that mm -hmm. they've gotten from overseas and they, you know, the way they print them just doesn't comes out a little blurry kind of stickers that might not fit the chips just a lot of things that don't make you feel like it's a casino like an mgm quality chip or okay. somewhere you walk in the bellagio and you get a nice quality chip so i've always prided uh since probably two years in where i found i've designed the chip i wanted um you know we manufacture it the exact specs that i wanted to do it and now mm -hmm. we do all the print and everything out of palm desert and shipping out of palm desert in california um where we've been since you know since two years into it but it, it's real. It's a quality thing for me. You know, obviously you got to be price sensitive mm -hmm. and our pricing is it's good. You know, we're not the lowest, lowest, but we're not, not the highest, but it really comes down to when you get the chip, you feel the weight and you, you know, you just have a good solid feel. You're not thinking it's a cheap plastic um, chip in your hand as, as you know, by, by what you have. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Um, it definitely feels like a casino chip. I feel like I can go down to uh, my uh, casino of choice in Vegas has always been uh, the Venetian, yeah. um, but I feel I can go to the Venetian and I get the same type of chip that you guys offer. So that's that's to me that makes it fantastic. Just don't hide it in the stack, right? <laughs> Never do <laughs> that. Please don't do You're that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so now, how many employees? So you've been around for seventeen years. How many yeah. people do you have that work for you? Range fifteen. Okay, is in the range a lot in production. You know, graphics people, uh, office manager, but a few um, teams, six in shipping, six in production and shipping, a uh, few in sales, Okay, really doing inside sales, really just kind of going after our customer base and, okay. you know, making sure that they're satisfied that you're running low. They know specials are out there and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So just touching base. Okay. So how do you, how do you manage all those personalities? Like you said, you have 15 people approximately that work for you. Um, and a lot of business owners I talk to, that's one of their hardships is I have so many different personalities to deal with. How do you kind of handle that as the, as the CEO of the business? It's hard. It's uh, it, cause you're right. It, it's different hats, right? The production team is they're into different things and they're different people than the sales team mm -hmm. is. So, um, you know, you just gotta, you gotta take time. Uh, my controller is very good. Uh, really handling like our office manager and kind of everything on that side of things. So I don't have to worry about our financial stuff and invoicing and following up and collections and stuff like that. Still get involved, but I, you know, I can be separated from it. Uh, really just on a day to day, just keeping in touch, you know, just, just touching base, making sure you know what your team needs. Mm -hmm. uh, the production team. So they, they're, you know, and everything that we do now is such, it's kind of, it just rolls, right? Our production 
flow is kind of the same every week. So it's consistent. I've got the same crew. That's the same main crew that's been with me 13 or 14 years now. Oh, wow. So okay. Been, so even when new people come in, they get to learn the culture under them. They get to kind of feel what's our work ethic all about. What's our, what's the whole process. So that's been really nice. Not having a lot of turnover in the time. All right. So, so let's do this. Let's go back a little bit. So going through the questions I asked you before we hopped on this podcast um, and some of your hobbies. So basketball, football, golf, and boating. Now you've been out on the West coast for a while. Yep. Do you have still East coast allegiances for your sports? Or are you now ah. a full-time West coaster? No, no. Uh, good question. Uh, East coast, UConn grew up from watching UConn basketball from the time I was six or seven when UConn was just a small regional mm-hmm. school before Jim Calhoun took over in 86. Yep. And, and they were the doormat of the Big East for many years. Oh, so yes. they just get thumped. And we would be going to the games and you'd be going to the games watching Chris Mullen at St. John's or Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. And, you know, those teams would come in and they were, yeah, it was the show, right? It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. But so, yeah, they're, I mean, they're my most loyal favorite team from the East coast Celtics would be number two. Cause when I was growing up bird and Mikhail and everybody came into their being. So, okay, uh, you know, right when I started liking basketball, that was a nice stretch to get in with the Celtics. So those two uh, I've kept the whole time and the Patriots I've kept that, you know, when I was a kid, the Patriots weren't very good. They were, no, let's be real. They were terrible. When they were, were terrible. Kid, so. <laughs> I mean, it just, it was hard to get behind them. I mean, you, you know, Stanley Morgan and Steve Grogan, like, they're all there, but they just, just get throttled mm-hmm. every Sunday. So, you know, growing up, it was more you'd watch the Steelers because they were exciting with Bradshaw and Swan and Stallworth and all that as a kid. Yep. And so I liked, you know, I liked them for several years. And then the Giants had Lawrence Taylor. So LT, I mean, you know, how fun was it watching him on defense? I don't know how old you are, but if you. I, I mean, those were my growing up years as well. Um, I was six, almost seven when they won their first Super Bowl. After yeah. what my grandfather liked to call the dark times for the New York Giants, <laughs> um, so I'm I've been a Giants fan since 1980, since the day I was born. Otherwise, I would have been thrown out of the house. Oh man! Well, you've seen a lot of good times. You've seen I have been a lot of bad times. times so, yeah, I mean, with Eli, it was good or bad, right? Yes, Every year correct. Was different. Absolutely. Um, so now that your business is very golf related, like we talked about earlier, how how often are you playing? So not enough. <laughs> it's course. never enough. No, even if you played but, seven days a week, it wouldn't be enough. So. <laughs> it's funny. Yes, me that. Yes, the, the wife that. And it might be a different answer. Yes. But lately, no, just because my kids are at an age, the 10 and 8-year-old. Okay. Um, so a lot of coaching, a lot of not – it just doesn't lead to a lot of good weekend mm-hmm. times to be able to play. So if I can sneak out on a late afternoon round, I'm doing it. But I'm probably twice a month. Okay. So too bad. So how are you? That's a, so that it's a good segue. How are you balancing the work life with the family life? Because that's something that I struggle with sometimes. Being a business owner, you know, my our kids are right around the same age. My son's nine, my daughter's twelve. Um, I don't coach them anymore because I found out that kids don't want to listen to to dad when he coaches. They just want him on the sideline, um, especially as they get older. Um, but yeah, all these events that they want me to go to, and all these things they want me to go to, and I have work to do and things like that. So sometimes it's hard to kind of balance that work life stuff. So how, how do you handle it? Do you have a 100%. schedule with your wife? Do you just kind of wing it? What, what is your plan? I'm kind of a that? wing it guy. I'm definitely kind of a wing it guy, but uh, being on the West coast in a lot of our business is national. 
Okay. So a ton of it's on the East Coast or the Central. So I can be up at six in the morning working, mm-hmm. you know, five thirty, six, six thirty, whatever. I'm up way earlier than a normal person that's going to work at eight or seven thirty or so I get a lot done, it feels like, before the day. That's how I can so I can maybe tail off in the afternoon. Like right now it's three o'clock. My day starts way slowing down. Okay. Um, and I think it's a California thing. You know, yeah, you just, guys are too laid back over there. A little bit laid back and a little bit, yeah, they're not, it's a much different. I've been out of 25 years now. So I grew up in the whole East Coast thing of working in New York City and Philadelphia and Boston. And, you know, yeah, you're not, you're not easing off at three in the afternoon too often. No. Back out, maybe, maybe now, I don't know. Things have changed, but this is back when we were in suits and ties to work every day, mm-hmm. which is quite a bit different than uh, our attire nowadays. Yes, very. I mean, I used to live in California also. And when I would go visit customers, I like being from the East Coast. Like you said, I'd wear a shirt and tie. I'd walk in and everyone would be in literally Hawaiian shirts and shorts right. and look yeah. at me like I had three heads. So I completely Jason, understand. What are you doing? Yep. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah. fit in. I, I I didn't and until I learned how to dress learned. appropriately, apparently, for California. So right. there's that. Now, um, so I wanted to bring this up here. Your interesting fact about yourself that you listed, you were an assistant basketball coach, I'm assuming, at Brandeis University. Yeah. So let's dig into that a little bit. So for all those listeners, once again, that are not familiar with the East Coast, Brandeis is a very small school near Boston. Um, So how did you get involved with the Brandeis basketball team and become an assistant coach? Now, did you play into college? Did you just play through high school? How, How did this happen? Just played through high school, didn't play through in college. I went to Bryan College in Rhode Island. Uh, at the time, we were Division Two. They're actually Division One now, so like a small Division One school. Mm-hmm. I did not play there. Um, wish I had given it more of a shot, but I just got into other things, didn't play. Uh, played intramurals throughout, and just I love basketball. You know, it's always been in my blood. So I worked in um, high-tech sales for like three years out of college. Okay. Uh, the company was kind of, kind of floundering. And about to go under. So it seemed like a great time. It was the summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of my friends and I had a house down in Newport, Rhode Island. And one of my friends was an assistant coach. He coached at another school, UMass Lowell. Okay. And he was doing a bunch of summer camps. Like that's what you do when you're a college camp, you know, assistant coach at all these places. You go and do all these different college um, basketball, you know, camps for the summertime. Mm-hmm. You get to meet a lot of other coaches. You get to coach a bunch of kids. It's it's pretty awesome. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get back into high tech right now. I want to try this. I want to see if I can get a job in coaching. And he knew the head coach at Brandeis. Um, one of my buddies knew him because he just had an opening. Uh, he had coached there previously a couple of years before, and there was an opening. So he introduced me and the coach happened to like me and liked what I brought to the table, a sales experience. You could recruit. You didn't mind getting on the phone and talking to people. Uh, so I jumped in. And it was an amazing, awesome, amazing experience because Brandeis being this division three school, mm-hmm. but they are, they travel like a D one school. They go to NYU and New York. They're down at Johns Hopkins, Carnegie Mellon, they're Carnegie Mellon. They're traveling all over the country and playing these other really intelligent schools. <laughs> That's the way to put it. Yeah. I mean, just, it is. It's like <laughs> very, very smart kids. And I, you know, our team was okay. Not, not, you know, not bad. We we didn't have a, a winning record, but good players played hard, smart team. Um, but coaching, 
you are making about $4,000 for the season. Ooh, okay. You can imagine that. So I'm substitute teaching. You're doing, and all these guys that are assistants, that's what they're doing. They're doing anything else on the side that they can and still have the uh, the flexibility to be at practice at three. Okay. To be able to travel to the games and then, you know, stuff like that. So I did it for one season and said, all right, I got to get back into high-tech sales. I, I think making some money is going to be a long ways off in the, in the whole coaching thing. It's hard to, it's hard to make it when you're eating ramen noodles every day. Cause you're not making any money. So I get it after four years of college doing that. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, how did your family react? Like you said, you you're, I'm assuming they spent a little bit of money to send you to a pretty good school for four years. And then you're like, Hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be an assistant basketball coach at a division three basketball school. How did that go over? Questioning it. Definitely questioning it. I mean, luckily I was single at the time. I didn't have massive bills, so I could live in kind of the closet of some college buddies that had (laughs) an apartment in in, uh, Watertown, Mass. And it really was. It was like a closet, barely fit a mattress in there, but it was so cheap. I was like, oh, this is perfect. And uh, so, no, you know, it's the right time to do it. Doing it any later would obviously have more responsibilities and bigger bills and everything like that would have been a lot harder. So uh, I would like to stick with it a little bit. If there was just a little more money in it, I would have probably stayed Okay, at least to try to give it, you know, give it a go to get up to being a head coach at some point. But um, I just see experiences, all the Celtics, all their, they practice there. Mm-hmm. So I had to be Larry Bird and a bunch of different. And by the way, that was the year that they, um they went like 15 and 67. It was a, it was a tough ML car. <laughs> oh, the ML car years. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Patino came in the next year. Yep. Which didn't go great either, but it was exciting, right? They it did not because in. he has thought that he was going to get Tim Duncan in the draft. That was he his whole. thought he was going to get Tim Duncan. Thing. Yep. And they ended up not getting the first pick. They got like the third and Chauncey Billups and uh, Ron Mercer, I think. Yep. It was. And he hated Chauncey Billups the minute he drafted him, which was made it, no sense. It, so, yes, it didn't go well. So, yes. right. That whole thing. I mean, you're thinking you're getting Tim Duncan and it would have changed everything. Oh, 100 percent. Absolutely. Yeah. But we would see all the teams would come in for their shoot around. They weren't going to the garden to do shoot arounds. They would come to Brandeis and actually the, they, the Celtics built out this amazing facility okay. that was not meant for a Division three school. I mean, it was it was really awesome. So I got to meet a lot of different coach, George Carl coming in with Seattle and Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and all these other teams would co- just come in. You'd be like, you got to be kidding me. This is uh this is a pretty neat experience. Awesome. Now, did you ever do any runs? Did you ever play with any of these teams just for fun or? I wouldn't. No, they didn't. They would keep us aside. I mean, they were still the pros. Just, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't, you know, maybe a couple of the guys on the team might have jumped in on some shoot arounds and, and been able to do some stuff. Okay. Coaches? Nah. We stay in the background. There we go. All right. Yeah. So you've had this this wide ranging career, assistant basketball coach, high tech sales, uh, now poker chip universe. Um, give me your top three marketing strategies that someone could take from this. So for me, uh, especially with with um, starting this this company, right, seventeen years ago, once you have an idea, because every a lot of people have ideas but they don't act on them yep. you know, or they don't think, Oh, I, I, you know, how am I going to do this? And they have great ideas. And all it takes is, you know, a, a good idea, but you have to go after it so ferociously. It's like, you have to put everything into it. So my idea was okay. You know, the chips are catchy and it was great, but I went after it like crazy 
um, in sales. You know, at least I knew sales. I knew cold calling. I knew, you know what, taking no, not a big deal. Just go to the next, you know, just keeping on going. And, and um, it's a numbers game for sales. So I, I would think the number one thing uh, for marketing is really to just get out there. Once you have an idea um, and you know you're going to go for it, to be 100% in. You know, it's it's hard to um it's hard for a lot of people when you have a salary job, right? Yep, absolutely. And then you have this great idea, but you can't just leave it. So you're, you're how many hours are there in a day mm-hmm. to be able to do it? So you need to trust somebody. I would be really, and it's funny. Uh, my my wife and I now um went at it. So as hard as we went at it, we tried to keep it as stealth as possible because you have a really good idea that anybody can jump in and do. So you do have to keep it kind of under the radar at the same time Mm -hmm. uh, until you're established. And then, you know, once you're established, hopefully your customers stay with you, which we did. But I I would say really coming up with that good idea and then, and then going for it, getting a good business plan together and Mm -hmm. uh, having a couple partners would help. Yep. My partner is, you know, being my wife, but um, which is even better when she's got the financial financial side of things and I can be the sales guy. Absolutely. But, that definitely helps. Well, what would you say for you when you went out, were you, what were you doing before farmers? So I was doing kind of like you, I was doing sales for uh, the chemical industry for about 17 years. Um, and then I just kind of got tired of it and I just decided, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an insurance agent. I want to own my own business and make my own hours and do my own thing. Um, and kind of like you, I just kind of jumped full into it, uh, left the company I was with in November of 2019, opened December, 2019, and then COVID hit <laughs> and I, the yeah. world kind of stopped. And I was like, Oh God, did I make a terrible decision? Um, but luckily my wife was behind me and she said, Hey, this is what you want to do. You got to do it now. You, you got to prove that you can do it and I'm behind you, but this is all on you now. So that's kind of how it started. And like you said, I just, Everyone I talked to, I brought up insurance. I asked them if I can do a quote for them. Um, and I didn't do a lot of marketing with mailers or buying leads or anything like that. A lot of mine was just shaking hands, kissing babies, talking to people mm-hmm. on the street, talking to people on the phone. Um, and still a lot of stuff that I do now. Uh, I do a lot of cold calling. Mm-hmm. I do a ton of networking events with the local chamber um, or with the PTA and things like that. So for me, um, what you said just is exactly what I do. Just going out and going 100%, just talking to everyone I know. Um, knocking on the insurance. doors, knocking on those doors. You know what? It's so easy not to. It's so, you know, it's easy to drive by and oh, I don't need to do that. No, you do. Mm-hmm. You have to, and you have to make those extra couple calls at the end of the day when you don't want to. For me, it was when I was driving around um, golf course to golf course, it's easy to end the day. And, you know, but it's like, wait a minute, there's a three more golf courses before I get home. Just stop in. Yep. And one of them will turn into a, an order and you're like, well, thank God I did that. Now they've been a customer for 17 years. You know, exactly. it's like, if I didn't do it back then and you, you just really, you got to have that fire lit. I think the whole time. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. But the beautiful thing is when it's, it's for you, you're doing it for you when you're an entrepreneur and it's your business, you're not doing it to make someone else a ton of money. You're doing it to set yourself up, you know? Yeah. Um, that was, that's, that's the big driving point, um, for being an entrepreneur for me is that, you know, like you said before, all the hard work I did, I was doing it for someone else. Um, so that the owner of that company could get a big house or, you know, my boss get, you know, a a raise or something like that. But now 
like you said, we're doing it for ourselves and for our family. So everything, every blood, sweat, and tear that we put into the business, we get back out for ourselves, not for someone else. And totally. that's the, the beauty of it. That's why I, I love the freedom. I, lo I love that we have a product that people actually dig. You know, mm -hmm. they really, so it's not, it's cool when you, you sit, talk about the chips and then someone's like, well, I collect those in all these golf courses, you know, somebody I've never met. And so it's a good feeling. Someone's like, thought these chips are a really cool thing. I, mean, I don't collect logo balls anymore. I collect the chips. It's like, oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah. that's. And the chips are way easier to carry than the, the logo balls. <laughs> <laughs> and they're easy to carry, but it's, you know, that's, it's, it's a good feeling when someone's telling you that and you're like, awesome. That's why I made it. Exactly. For dudes like you, golfers that like, you know, experience it and go to Hawaii and grab chips and go to Ireland and are grabbing chips and bringing them home to their buddies or whatever, just the collection they have. So, you know, that's a big part of why I do it. Fantastic. All right. So we're going to wrap things up in a second, but I'm going to do what we do with all of our guests. Um, we're going to do what's called the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you some random questions. Um, and I just want you to answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. So don't really yeah. think about it. Just kind of answer it. Okay. Okay. So the first question that we always ask everybody is a hot dog, a sandwich. No. All right. No one has gotten the answer wrong yet. So we're, everyone's batting a thousand. Um, what is your favorite city in the U S besides the one you live in? Ah, uh, Boston. Oh, Boston. Can't believe it's Boston people. <laughs> Stop getting these people on the show. Okay. Um, next question. What was your nickname when you were a kid? Uh, Blakey. Pretty Blakey. simple, but yeah, just Blakey. Who gave you that nickname? Uh, basketball buddies. Uh, probably one of my buddies, Pat Tracy, like the center of my basketball team. Just okay. like Blakey. Just <laughs> okay. kind of stuck. Gotcha. Um, what was the last song that you downloaded? Last song? I probably downloaded something for my daughter, um, Ice Ice Baby. Maybe I think it was a Vanilla Ice. She wanted. Why would she nick. request Ice Ice Baby to be? No downloaded. idea. <laughs> just, she's back in my kids like the 80s all of a sudden i show them a couple of you know mtv videos from back in the day and they're they're all about hair bands now and, okay and some dancing so i could probably that vanilla ice. okay um what is the one superpower you wish you had i like to fly that's a good one all right get yeah get everywhere easy yeah i, I want to fly perfect all right well that's the end of our show Mike, I really appreciate you being on. Um, I love your product and I want everyone to know about it and know where they can get it. So how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, easiest thing, our website's uh, pokerchipuniverse.com. Okay, okay. pokerchipuniverse. And then if you want to email directly, um, we still have, I still have my older email, even though another email will go into it, but sales at logogolfchips.com, L-O-G-O golf, C-H-I-P-S.com. Uh, just sales at logogolfchips.com will come right to me and we will always make free proofs. You know, there's, we have specials with free chips, as you know, Yep. Um, with all our startup orders. So yeah, we'll always give you a look. You can always see what you're getting before you would ever purchase anything. So would love as many, Hey, farmers agents come say hello. We'd love to make them for you. Um, and um, obviously other companies that, that follow your pod as well. would love to love to talk to you. Absolutely. Well, Mike, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and for all of our listeners out there, hope you enjoyed this great conversation. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks, Jason.